MDRadioMD.com. Welcome to the revolution, the clean eating revolution. It's time now for the Clean Food Network Show. Here's Lisa Davis. So glad you're listening to Clean Food Network. Once a month, we're joined by the fantastic Stephen Masley, MD. He's a physician, nutritionist, author, speaker, and award-winning patient educator. Today, we're going to be talking about insulin resistance, prediabetes, diabetes, and how food can either cause or reverse them. Dr. Masley, welcome back. Uh, Thrilled to be back. Always happy to You know, it's so nice to have you on. We always have such a good time, and you are so smart, and you have so much great research. Let's talk about this, because... We hear so much about this epidemic of not only diabetes, but prediabetes and insulin resistance. So jump into the three of those. Tell us the difference. And then what should we do in terms of food? Well, it's a spectrum. And, you know, the number one cause for heart disease is really elevated blood sugar. It's this insulin um, resistant pattern. And it's the same thing for memory loss. There's a plethora of new studies showing that. If you have elevated blood sugar levels or if you have insulin resistance, you're much more likely to have destruction of your brain cells and memory loss. So it's so important. So here's the first step. And when we eat energy like sugar or fuel, any fuel, it comes in and we try to store it. And we try to store energy as glycogen in our muscle cells. And when the bank is full, like when the hotel is full, it doesn't take any more room. Mm-hmm. When we've had, when we've stored more energy than, and we're not burning it with exercise, that creates insulin resistance. And the next step after that is our blood sugar levels start to go up. So if we're not working out regularly or if we eat too many sugars, like refined carbs from flour or sugar or potatoes, we exceed what we can store. When we exceed what we can store, we become, our message to store is dependent on insulin. And so if you can't get that message across, it just creates failure. And I think my biggest new research is that insulin resistance causes memory loss and um, increases our risk for Alzheimer's disease. So it's really important. That is so important and has so many other detrimental effects on the body. Now, you wrote a fantastic book with Johnny Bowden, Smart Fat, The 30-Day Heart Tune-Up, and I think, and you've written other books as well. And I think that it's so important to look at a healthy, high-fat diet, and that's something that I do with the, lots of avocados. And we love avocado oil. We know now because of you from a show we did uh, about a month or two ago that mm-hmm. it has a higher smoke point. So get your avocado oil, everybody. Is that something you recommend for people with the insulin resistance, prediabetes, and diabetes? Well, eating more smart fats will help, but it's critical. So here's the the misunderstanding or maybe even one of the myths. People think they can just go ultra low carb and to some degrees that will help, but it's the type of just like there's good fats and bad fats, there's good carbs and bad carbs that really help with blood sugar control. So we do want to actually eat carbs that have more fiber in them and have low glycemic load. We want things like vegetables, especially green leafy vegetables. We want more of those. We want more beans, black beans, red beans, garbanzos, lentils. Those actually help stabilize blood sugar control. And what we need to avoid, because they're really the problem, is flour. Anytime when you grind you grind a grain into a you know fine flour or sugar or potatoes, all of those tend to raise our blood sugar levels and they're part of the issue. So I'm I'm okay if someone has like a little potato mixed in with their soup or something, but the idea that 
the only carb that most Americans eat are potatoes. That's just way over the top. I agree. Now, I'm a huge fan of yams, and that's better than potatoes. Well, sweet potato is much better because it has more fiber, It has, and it releases sugar more slowly. So yams, sweet potatoes, I think they're great. Um, purple potatoes are better. And the idea of a baked potato, it's fine if you just eat the skin and maybe skip the inside. But really what we want are vegetables like broccoli and kale and green leafies and asparagus and beets and things like that. I mean, beets and carrots have a myth that they raise blood sugar levels when, you know, they really don't. So there's a lot of things we can and should be eating. So especially anything with those um, healthy pigments, those all those colors, that's what we want more of, um, along with healthy fat, like, as you said, avocado or olive oil or olives or nuts, um, all, you know, having you know, wild salmon, all those things are healthy fats, more fiber. That's really the solution to helping um, get the right foods so we don't end up with diabetes, high blood sugar, or insulin resistance. Um, so the earliest stage, way before diabetes, you're still having memory loss and heart disease. So this is really a huge opportunity to make themselves feel better, look better, and um, have a healthier life for years to come. And the exciting thing is, even if you've moved beyond the insulin resistance of prediabetes and you actually have diabetes, you can really reverse it with food, correct? You can. I mean, I have had hundreds, perhaps thousands of patients with diabetes, or and they and by following my program of adding activity, adding the right foods, adding smart fats, eating more fiber, they you can most people can reverse it. You can, I mean, I've had people who are using insulin and on multiple medications um, give up this sad standard American lifestyle, add the foods I'm talking about, add the activity, and I'm totally get rid of their diabetes and their diabetes meds. So it's not like pneumonia. You take a few pills and you're fixed. It's a lifestyle you have to stick with. Um, So as long as you stick with the lifestyle, it works. Yeah, and it's so important to have this information. You know, I'm always curious about the whole bean thing with the paleo folks, because I tend to think of myself as if people ask me, well, are you paleo or vegan? You know, I don't label myself, but if you're curious, yes, I do more of the paleo with lots of of vegetables and lots nice, some fruit and and nice lean meat or even fatty meat, actually. (laughs) That's grass-fed and organic. But I like my beans and my lentils. So what what is up with that? Do you know? Well, I mean, there are what they call um, some compounds called lectins. And probably 5 to 10% of people have these products in beans that cause them GI distress. And sprouting mm-hmm. helps make that a lot better. So if you're a person, when you eat beans, you get gassy and bloated and um, crampy. That's probably a sign of a, you don't digest lectins well, and lectins are high in beans. But I would say 90% of people, if they eat small amounts of beans on a regular basis, they're going to tolerate them really well. So I think that's the biggest real issue. The fact is when you eat more beans, it actually improves your blood sugar control. And they're the highest anti-aging, antioxidant scoring food ever tested. There aren't any other foods that either better than blueberries or pomegranate. So, I mean, they have huge health benefits, um, but there's a few things they might be in. Rarely people are intolerant of them. If they are, then maybe they just have to avoid them. 
Yeah, I'm a huge fan. Like I said, last night I made a great chili with, uh, I used organic pinto beans, some grass-fed organic beef, and some great organic tomatoes and spices. And it was so incredibly good. And my 12-year-old just gobbled it up like it was candy. And I, I just love that because she's always looking for something to eat. And even this morning, I, she's like, what can mm-hmm. I have? I was like, have some chili, you know? And it's like, oh, there's yeah, a whole thing chili, for you. Or putting it in soup. So chili's a great choice. You know, putting beans in a soup is awesome. You know, having them as a side dish, there's a lot of ways you can do that. And it's not what we would consider paleo, but I think there's still a food that's really good for us and has a tremendous amount of health benefits, as long as you're in the 90% of people who tolerate them. Now, what about something like brown rice? Is that still kind of break down too quickly, would you say, or maybe a little bit's okay? Well, and it's how much do you eat? I mean, yes, if Uh someone had... Like, you know, in a Japanese restaurant portion, it's this little like a teacup. I mean, we're talking, what, a half cup. You know, if you're having a half cup to not more than a cup, uh, most people who are active and healthy can tolerate that. The problem is when people eat rice, they have these huge portions we don't tolerate well at all. So brown rice, small portion, um, in an active person, I think it's fine. But now we're, you know... that's great. I think part of the borderline thing. Oh, you know what, thing, Dr. Masley? We're just about out of time. You know, we're going to have, next time you come on, we can continue this wonderful conversation. If you want to learn more, check out drmasley.com or smartfat.com. I want to thank everyone for listening to Clean Food Network. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Your Radio MD and at Health Media Gal One. Be sure to eat those small amounts, get the healthy fats and get those beans. I want to say to everyone, thanks again. Take care. Stay well. <music> 